Alrighty, so we should be live at this point. I'm going to go ahead and pull up Facebook. But you're listening to Retrospection Radio Live. This is our second little broadcast that we've been doing. Um, Naturally, if you're new to Retrospection, just know that we do a live stream every Wednesday evening from 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 9.30-ish. Of course, we also have the live radio broadcast on Friday evenings from 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 10-ish. And the 15th and the last day of every month, there is a radio theater. And I just checked my Facebook, and it looks like we are indeed now live. with Shane Thrapp. Did I say that correct? Yes, you did. Awesome possum. Now, for those of you who don't know me, uh, I am Noah Martin. I am a senior in college. I've been podcasting for close to four or five years. Uh, My favorite thing in the world is fantasy, like Dungeons and Dragons, Lord of the Ring-esque, and horror, which is a very interesting combination, but nothing too crazy. Every Wednesday, I interview people that I think are interesting and people that I want to help get their stories out so other people can listen. So, uh, tonight we are here with Shane Thrapp. And Shane, do you mind just telling the audience a little bit about yourself? Where are you at in life? Uh, One of the few things you enjoy, or what are a few things you enjoy doing? Um, And then perhaps, like... I don't know. What's your what's your favorite form of media? Form of media. All right, I'll get on to that one. This will give me some time to think about it while I introduce myself. Uh, hello, everybody. I'm Shane Thrapp. I am a uh, ADHD life coach, and I uh, am a relationship coach. I help people with the various things that they deal with in their life whenever they're trying to figure out their goals, achieving uh, uh, new habits, trying to... Uh, make changes in their lives after they've gone through uh, therapy or psychiatry, depending on what they are kind of dealing with in their lives. Um, I'm married to an amazing woman who is a special needs teacher. I have uh, twins, a boy and a girl, Harley and Liam. I also have uh, an 18 year old and a 15 year old, uh, Keenan and Kylie. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to kind of start off with, you know, your question is extremely hard for me, and it, and, and and let me. So let me explain. Uh, so with ADHD, uh, my my biggest issue is everything is interesting to me, right? So whenever you try to ask me to pin down like my favorite music or my favorite media or something along those lines, it's extremely difficult. Uh, give me an example. What is yours? So for me, uh, once again, this one's also kind of hard, um, just simply because my favorite form of media can go from like being in person doing uh like discord kind of social media dungeons and dragons talking with friends to video games to movies to comic books it all kind of changes so perhaps to help ease things make it a little bit easier to think about uh what are your 
like top three go-tos that on a daily basis you would just you know pick up your phone or pick up your laptop or something and go ahead and log right on to in that case uh, my biggest one is audiobooks my second one is my kindle um and then third is usually facebook I I love to um, window shop all my friends and things and see what they're doing in their lives and seeing if uh, there's any way that I can kind of uh, you know slip some advice to them or or just kind of track and see how they're doing. Uh, with COVID, a lot of my friends and everything who I used to deal with, they're you know everybody's kind of behind the doors and and not really going out a whole lot. And my friends are fairly cautious people to start with. Uh, so Facebook has become my kind of like my window out to the world. Also, as a stay-at-home dad, uh, you don't have a lot of resources whenever you have twins. Not, a, not everybody wants to come by your house, or and it's very hard for you to go places. So, uh, so yeah, um, my audiobooks where I use Audible or Scribd and Kindle, those are my favorite forms of media. Video games is in there somewhere, you know. So as a full-time dad, do you have enough time to be able to, you know, play video games? Actually, yes, I do. That's a that's a part of my daily routine. Oh. Not not play video games, uh, but I'm a big proponent of self-care, self-love, mm-hmm. making sure that you uh, take the time out of your day to just, you know, fuck off. You know, <laughs> do what the fuck you want. You know what I mean? Uh, because people don't do that anymore. People are so wound up and they and especially and this is actually a coping mechanism that i've built for myself uh uh since discovering it that i had adhd uh i i i get burnt out i get burnt out very easily because i i go through so many different things uh, so playing a video game for a long time i'll get burnt out on it but if i sit here and say okay i have an hour a day that i'll i'll just i'll play my video games then that's cool and then i can kind of spread the love out and i'm not sitting here doing 12 hour sessions on call of duty or i'm not doing uh you know 15 hours on skyrim or something along those lines because i've done that before you know so so every day i sit here and say okay i have two hours at this time that i'm just going to go do my thing i'm going to play with my kids and i also schedule my day fairly thoroughly because uh structure works for people with adhd even though we hate structure uh so <laughs> so in the morning it's wake my kids up get them ready and then uh just, and then and then just just kind of go through the day uh two hours of kind of uh learning playing goofing off if it's warm outside going outside uh but you know you know, and then to kind of like, okay, I'm going to spend two hours doing work. I'm going to spend two hours uh, doing uh, some research. I'm going to do two hours writing. I'm going to do two hours of marketing, you know? And, uh, and so I kind of break your uh, day up like that. And then, and, but part of that needs to be self-care, self, self-love, doing something that you appreciate and love of, uh, that, that gets your mind off of all the stress and stuff that you're dealing with, even kids. That's a good message to preach uh, as a, as a 22-year-old, uh, a lot of my, a lot of my friends are people who work more than 10, 11-hour shifts, simply because of the whole work issue we've had for quite a while now. And I myself have worked extra, extra shifts, and I've done more work uh, because there's been less workers, and I, I've come home not only in pain but also mentally exhausted from everything and it really really plays a damper on 
trying to live your life and enjoy not only the college experience, but everything. It's mm-hmm. hard to, it's just hard to enjoy life if you're just sitting around and either doing nothing or you don't know what you're going to do next and there's no no idea, no calendar, no regiment to it. Um, I found that once I started doing that myself, it is a lot easier for me to not only stay focused, but also enjoy what is coming up next. Um, because I know that I myself uh, dealt with a lot of video game stuff, especially when I was in middle school and high school. I remember coming home from from school and playing for equally as long as I was in school, eight to nine <laughs> hours of just same thing, Skyrim, Destiny, Call of Duty, all of that stuff. And eventually I kind of realized that's not healthy for me. And I didn't end up breaking that video game addiction until relatively recently. But the ability to have a schedule to my life, to know where I'm going and what I'm going to be doing next is a great way to live. Really helps with just mental health. Yeah, definitely. You know, but we spend, you know, most of us spend 18 years of our lives essentially being told what to do, when to do, and how to do it. Exactly. You know, and and when you have, uh, when you look at our school and our education system, you look at from kindergarten through 12th grade, everything is ruled by bells. You know, you get to school, you hear the bell, you go to this place, you uh, eat your food, you go, you hear the next bell, you go to the first class on and on and on throughout the day everything is kind of regimented out throughout our entire lives and then once we get out of school and we get into college where it's kind of a lot more self-paced a lot more self uh uh uh, sustained you have to keep your schedule you have to go to this class you have to make this uh thing but you have the freedom of making your own schedule to do so people lose their minds you know, that's one of the reasons why we have one of the largest dropout rates for colleges. Most people, especially uh, when you look at online colleges and things like that, uh, we're looking at a, a 46 to 64 percent dropout rate in the first year. I think it's very interesting how having a calendar, a regiment to your life that you want to follow keeps you happy and mentally sane and then the reverse is not true when it comes to you're sitting there in college or in uh the first 18 years of your life your k through 12 experience and you're being told what to do and most of it you don't actually care about or at least i didn't care about growing up and how it just is a huge change in mental health when it comes to either being able to choose your schedule which is good for you and not being able to choose your schedule, which seems to be quite a bit worse. Right. Uh, when you're in school, you lose your autonomy and you keep losing it and you never gain it back. You never gain the freedom that you need uh, to to fulfill the life's 
uh, our society's needs for you whenever you get out of it. Uh, one of the top things that you hear uh, executives when they, uh, from like Google and Dell and, and places like that, when they talk about who they want from their, uh, their schools, uh, who, do, who do they want to hire? They want to hire people who are creative, who think outside the box, who are able to uh, sustain their own schedules, who are able to be dependent on, who can work with other, uh, uh, collaborate with other uh, people and, and work in uh, groups, except our school systems don't do that. You don't even start seeing that until you get into college. And, you know, and then and in, once you're going from high school to college, you're spending four years getting reprogrammed. And your brain's all fucked up. You're, I mean, everything's all screwed up. Because you know, also you're exploring all the other stuff that you didn't get to explore as a high school student. Or, you know, you're kind of just coasting along because you're bored. And, you don't, and you're not able to find that, that thing that you're passionate about because nobody ever exposed you to enough things to find your passion. So what do you think is the perhaps not the, but one of the most damaging things that our public school system does to a K through five. K through five. Um, They coop them up into a schoolroom without access to outside. And they uh, tell them uh, exactly what they need to know, but they don't push them to learn. They educate them. They don't, teach them to learn. They don't teach them critical thinking. They don't teach them problem-solving skills. They teach people by rote. They want you to pass a standardized test that each person in that grade of that same age is supposed to hit a certain mark. However, people don't work like that. Children don't work like that. A child who is eight and another child who is nine, even though they're only a half a year apart or eight months apart, they're... uh, wildly different capabilities. Uh, Some students learn slower, some students learn super fast. And so you wind up having uh, children who are set in these classes with who are supposed to be their peers, air quotes, that they're not with their peers. They're with people who are either better than them uh, in, in the capabilities that they have at that current time, or they are with people who are having to take up the teacher's uh, time and they're not able to have the interaction that they need for the learning methodology that they need. So you have visual and then you have uh, auditory and kinesthetic learning. And there's kind of a spectrum there. You kind of like, you know, a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B. Most people hit a primary uh, thing. And so our schools don't give the students that ability to explore all the different ways that they can do things because we regiment our classes by uh, age and not by um, capabilities and not by uh, assessments that gauge what a child uh, has an aptitude for or an interest in. And I think that's where we do it. We trap our kids into this one box that they're only allowed to fit in. And if they don't fit into it, then they're considered disabled. They're, they're labeled with ADHD, they're labeled with special needs, they're labeled uh, as dyslexic and things like that. And all of these are very real things. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not in any way, shape, form, or fashion saying that these things don't exist. But what doesn't exist is the understanding uh, that these people aren't broken, they're not damaged, they're not uh, less than. They're different. They, 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 they learn differently. They need different accommodations. They need different uh, messages sent to them. They need different ways of learning. Uh, but if you don't sit inside that box, then 
you deal with a lot of ridicule, a lot of trauma that gets put on you, not by just your peers, but also teachers who talk down at you, parents who are disappointed in you, you know, who see the, all this potential that you have at home, and then they, they send you to school, and all of a sudden they start seeing all that potential start dying. And then parents start piling that abuse onto the children, that trauma onto the children, which when you have a child who, say, has ADHD, they already have a mindset that's completely different than other people. And when you pile trauma on top of people with ADHD, it makes everything worse for us. It starts, it, it starts devolving into depression. It starts showing uh, issues with like bipolar. You see all these cognitive de declines whenever uh, people with ADHD are hit with trauma, uh, more so than others, because people with ADHD feel their emotions more. They're, you know, it's, it's like a, it's like an overflow of emotions all the time, constantly. And eventually you start deadening those emotions, which then makes you different, makes you weird, makes you odd. You know, people look at, you know, you don't act like normal people around us. And, uh, but trapping people into that box of status quo of what we expect, that's the worst thing that we can do to kids. So the... One of the things that my teachers said, um, this teacher was very, I suppose progressive would be the word, was very different than most other teachers. And the teacher once told me that school kills your creativity. So growing up, um, I was somebody who was always gifted. I was reading at a high school level when I was in third grade I was finishing you know Lord of the Rings and all those big books uh for a third grader and everyone else was reading like Junie B. Jones the question I have for you um is these students who get labeled as different in whatever way uh, there's a whole bunch of labels that get thrown on them what happens to them once they hit college? I guess the better question is what happens when they hit high school? You know, uh, they, they've spent all this time as, as children going through the system and they've, they've, uh, at this point, once they hit high school, they've shown that they had a lot of creativity. They've shown that they had a lot of, uh, rambunctiousness. They've gotten all these labels and everything. And then they're in high school and then things get a little bit crueler in high school. And they're still not being prepared, and they're you know they're still on the all the, dealing with all these different things. They're either too smart, or you know they're the smartest dumb kid in the school, or whatever insult people decide to use on them. And then they get into a uh, they go from that environment, and then they're immediately thrust into something that they may not have been prepared for in many different ways. They may not have found their passion yet. Whenever you're stuck into a, uh, a school system that is so built on making sure that everybody hits, hits this box, that are in this box, they don't expose the children to enough things for people to find that passion that they really want. And so what you wind up having is these children who hit senior who start freaking out because they don't know what they want to go to college as their major. They don't even know if they want to go to college. Some of them don't want to because they want to do something like uh, welding or vocational schools. And we've totally killed that across America. 
And what we are missing in high school is the exposure that children need or teenagers need to be prepared for what college is going to offer. You know, because the colleges aren't really telling a lot of students what they are offering them as far as what they want to do, what they love to do, unless it's like at the high end level when you start looking at scholarships and and things of that nature. But what they are doing is, is like we can give you a four year education that's going to guarantee you a six figure salary when you get out of, uh, out of college. All you have to do is pay us sixty thousand dollars a year. You know, the the message isn't about. Uh, what do you like to do? You know, it, it is about this is what an investment of right now can give you for the future. But when you don't, when you have ADHD, you don't even think about 10 years from now. You don't even think about five years from now, one year from now, maybe if you've got something going on. And so to ask a child or a teenager to say, what do you want to be when you get older? All of us have the answer when we're like middle school. Right, but when we're asked that when we're seniors, unless we've been exposed to the things that we are passionate about, or exposed to how what we're passionate about, how to make money from it, you know, then they're they're really confused, and then they get into college, and they've settled for a business administration degree or a uh, an English major degree because they worked really good at English, they loved reading, right, and but it's not working out for them and they get caught up in drugs that because with people with ADHD, they have a higher propensity for abusing different things, sugar, uh, uh, food, um, drugs, alcohol. All of these things are very, uh, very uh, dangerous for people with ADHD because we don't have the, we have too much impulsivity and we need that high because we don't get it naturally. So you spend your entire college uh, hunting down that high, trying to figure out what you want to do, and you get really frustrated and you get burnt out because you're working these hugely long hours doing what you really don't want to do. And that causes a lot of issues for people, and that's why we see such a huge dropout rate. Do you have any advice um, for somebody with ADHD who is going through this struggle right now and trying to find that passion, that thing that they enjoy doing in life. If you have something in your life that you're already passionate about, it doesn't matter what it is. If you have the privilege and ability to do so, you can turn it into money. You can do... I find it very hard pressed with the internet being what it is to not find a blog about something that isn't, that is, uh, completely obscure, but has a following. I mean, there's flat earth uh, people out there. I mean, they're nuts, but still, <laughs> it, you know, the, the, there's a market for what you are passionate about because you're passionate about it. And so you had to learn it from somebody else. My advice to you is expose yourself to as many things as you can until you find that passion, if you don't already have it. Even if it's a passion where you don't think it's going to last a long time, expose yourself to as many things as you can and figure out the things that you love, that you stick with, that you really come back to a lot, 
and see if that's a way that you can make that into money. This doesn't have anything to do with college. This has to do with making sure that you're doing what it takes to invest in what you are passionate about that you can keep doing for long periods of time and then go to college and then go to trade school or then get on the internet and learn everything that you can about it. I, I created my business um, creating order from chaos as an umbrella company, essentially, because I have so many things I love doing. I love helping people with uh, life issues. I love helping people with ADHD. I love helping people who are exploring relationships or ethical non-monogamy. And that's a, that's a really broad range of different things. You know, I love helping leaders become leaders. I love helping uh, people who are trying to figure out how to be better managers, be better teams. But you can't sit here and, and market yourself as just a, um, I, I create order from your chaos. You have to break everything down from there. And so I'm taking my passions for wanting to help people and things like that. And so, like I said, I created an umbrella business. Uh, so you kind of have to think about it that, that way as well. Create a, 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 a brand or a marketing or a business plan that allows you for your creativity to expand into whatever you're passionate about uh, that you can make money from. Because then you have multiple streams of income coming in. That's my advice. It's wordy. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely. I think it's great advice, especially because for retrospection, our listeners, that's kind of actually what I did was I went to a political simulation when I was in my junior year of high school. And what ended up happening was I was the head of social media for a week with a thousand other boys as we talked politics and tried to run the state of Ohio uh, as a bunch of teenage boys. And what ended up happening was I came back and I told my dad, I'm like, hey, I really like this. I, I think this is something I'd want to look into. But, like, I thought I was going to be a history teacher. I love history so much. Mm -hmm. For years upon years, I thought I was going to be a history teacher and direct the school theater. And that was it. And my dad started looking into these different programs for me. And here I am now with retrospection of a brand podcasting uh freelancing i'm interning at a large uh or at least powerful media corporation and that's simply because of one accidental thing that happened so it is really great and amazing advice now for people in high school i know that it is hard to find yourself in those situations i was somebody who was at school for Oh, probably 15, 16 hours a day uh, because I would go through school and then I had clubs afterward. And for most of my schooling experience, I couldn't drive. and My parents worked during the day, meaning I was stuck at school until eventually the club started, which was generally an hour, hour and a half after school. Then we'd go for a couple hours, especially if it was a musical, and we'd go until sometimes seven eight and then there were times that were hitting midnight and 1 a.m and i'd have school the next day so sometimes it's really hard to find yourself in those situations so the advice i'd like to give is impulse uh to our people still in high school or even in college or young adult or adult or elderly wherever you are in life if you have this thing that you want to act on you're like oh well i think i want to try writing a book or I want to try doing this, acting on that impulse, 
it's great because it could lead to opportunities and meeting people you never thought you're going to meet. Definitely. So we're starting to hit the end of time. And let me tell you, I'm not used to, I am so used to going on for like two hours as opposed to half an hour. Uh, so I, I do want to end with two questions. Um, first one is going to stay on this public school talk, and the next one's going to kind of derail a little bit. So this first question here is, our public school was created during the, I believe, late 1800s-ish, um, back when the Industrial Revolution and all of that was happening, hence the need for the bells, um, telling workers to go to these places and doing all these different things. And that worked a hundred or so years, actually more than a hundred years ago at this point. Right. But nowadays, I, you're not going to go work in a factory. Most people will not do a factory job. And if you do, that's completely fine because we need people in factory jobs. Um, you're helping keep society up and you're the backbone of society. But my question to you is, how could we modernize and revolutionize our school system to fit students that don't quite fit inside the box? So you mentioned earlier that you're, uh, you're I think you said a teacher told you that uh, schools kill creativity. Exactly. And um, that's, a, that's a funny uh, phrase because Ken Robinson uh, coined that term in uh, 2006 during a TED talk that he had. And it's actually what got me into education uh, research and, and uh, learning about it and kind of uh, following along with it and trying to uh, figure out ways to make things better. Uh, the, the ways that we can... So Ken Robinson... Uh, Sir Ken Robinson was very idealistic in, in what he wanted to do in our schools. But one of the things that we really need to do is bring back creativity. And there's very different ways that we can do that. Uh, some of them are super simple. Uh, there is a, I'm, I'm trying to think of his names. Uh, da, 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 da. That's a bummer. The... There's a school in Tennessee, and there's a TED Talk uh, that a, a guy um, had where he talks about uh, Innovation Day. And Innovation Day was uh, an experiment that they did for sixth graders. What they did is they told uh, uh, sixth graders, they said, uh, you have six weeks to uh, develop a project, and you have, we'll have one day to do it, and then you'll uh, create something, present something, and or make something, create something, and then present your your thing and so they didn't just do like science experiments some students did uh how to you know slapstick use a uh, use a hockey to do a certain thing uh hockey stick to do a certain thing or how to throw a perfect spiral the audio video club got to help football players and other people uh on how to do things and we need more of that we need more interactive uh, projects that we put our our students into uh from from an early age on we need to allow students to go outside. There needs to be more more time where people can go outside and do the things. And honestly, we need to take our schools and make them go year-round, in my opinion. And we need to give the teachers the resources to, um, to not just teach by rote. We need to 
educate our students. And we need to bring the parents and people in the community into the school system as uh, mentors and and use them to expose students to all of these different things that they do. Um, what I would what I would suggest, and this has been a theory I've been running on, is the first six weeks of your school year is spent essentially doing aptitude learning. You you kind of go through the the basics, make sure everybody's kind of on the same board, and then the people who who have different aptitudes for the things that they're trying to learn are put into those kind of classes, a core uh, thing. So your STEM, so math, you know. English, uh, things of that nature, you do put uh, students into that. But then they also have a choice of four other classes that are based on their interests, what they enjoy doing. But it's not just teachers teaching. It's people in the community who are spending their time mentoring students in the different things that they do. It's parents who have the time who are executives who come in and don't just teach a, a, a child or a, a teen on how they became a millionaire uh, businessman, how did they become a leader? How did they become, how did they learn about the stock market? Um, it's, not, it's not something to just have a fireman come for meet the parent day. Have firemen come and, 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 and show, show the teens and children who, what they do and find those students who gravitate to that. Find the students who gravitate to the uh, the professor, the professor who talks about his history. Find the students of, who who flock to the uh, the pilot, the uh, army sergeant, the police officer. Find these students and who gravitate to that, and give them the resources so that they can start learning everything that they want to know about that thing. And then build a program around it. You know work a system out where the student is learning what is necessary for that thing with the ability with the backup of there are still learning the core curriculum that students need to learn throughout the uh, throughout the school year that's where I'd start so if you had one thing you could say to someone who's currently in the system um, that is looking for a way to hit that creativity to find those types of mentors around because I mean it's going to take a lot of social change and I think that's something that could definitely happen within I don't know maybe the next 30 or 40 years I think there's a huge push that's been happening or at least a growing push that's been happening of people who want the school system changed because it doesn't help people if you could give advice, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, don't stop asking questions. We are told all the time when we're children that you know, uh, you ask too many questions. Oh my God, I don't know what that rainbow does. Don't stop that. Don't stop asking questions. It doesn't matter who tells you not to. Never stop asking questions. Because if you keep asking those questions, you'll start learning the answers that you want to know. And especially with the internet, you know. But ask your questions in a way that allows you to use your critical thinking skills to find out what the answer actually is that's based on the best data and best uh, information that we have available that has the best uh, background 
um, expert, expert knowledge. Find those people. Keep asking those questions until you find those people. And then once you find those people, start exploring how they learned everything and start exploring how they became what they became. Ask the questions of the fireman. How did he become a fireman? What did he have to do? What did he have to? What kind of exercises did he have to do to, do uh, you know, be a certain shape? Um, ask the physicist. What kind of math do I need to know? And then once you start asking those questions, you'll start narrowing down what your purpose is. But you have to keep asking the questions until you get the answers that you want and need. And that's how you find your passion. When I teach people, whenever I coach people on on what what it is, all I do is ask questions. And we explore their answers and we kind of start narrowing things down into a point of, hey, these are the things that you really love. How do we make this a thing in your life? How do we make this that you absolutely love? You're a Dungeons and Dragons master. You love Dungeons and Dragons, that you're passionate about it. Make a job out of it because you can. I've done it. I've made money uh, being a Dungeons and Dragons DM. You know, it's a thing that exists. And people are, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. Look, there's people who are sitting here making millions of dollars uh, throwing out this artwork that they do that when I look at it, I'm going, that is literally somebody splashing paint on a canvas in a weird way. Jackson Pollock, I'm looking at you. Uh, <laughs> so, but, but keep asking those questions until you find the thing that you want to do and never stop. Even once you've done that, keep moving forward. Keep asking the questions until you you until you're answering the questions, and then keep passing that down. Never tell a child to stop asking questions. Answer the questions to the best of your ability. You know, if you don't know the answer, show them how to research it. Show them the way to critically think about the problem. Show them the way to look it up and find the resources and the experts who are, uh, are speaking facts and, and on the data. If you can't answer the question, show them how to find the answers themselves. But nobody should stop asking questions. Shane, I want to say thank you. Um, you've given some great information and some great advice uh, to our listeners I hope that this has helped you uh, if you're a parent um, and you've got kids at home that are going through the school system just be sure to help them out be there for them if you're currently going through the school system um, then please keep in mind that you're not alone there are a lot of people out there and if you as Shane said Keep asking questions, keep being creative, keep making sure that people know who you are and keep pursuing where you want to go in life um, or trying to find that pursuit in the first place. Shane, I want to say thank you very much. Um, Is there some media or way that uh, audience members might be able to contact you in the future or is there anything that you've put out perhaps like book wise or movie wise or something like that that people could go watch and learn a little bit more information about i haven't done a book yet and everybody tells me that i should and i may (laughs) wind up doing it one of these days but it's very difficult for me to focus on stuff like that Uh, however uh, you can find me at creatingorderfromchaos.com you can also find me on facebook Uh, my business page is creating order from chaos coaching 
And if you just, if you look for me, you'll find me. And uh, again, my name is Shane Thrapp. So if you look at my Facebook page, you'll see a whole bunch of stuff, usually me sharing videos of my twin uh, babies. Thank you. Um, there's, there's not too much left. Uh, as always, I tend to find a way to go over and here I am going over again. Oh no. <laughs> but, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to more Retrospection Radio episodes. We've got a radio theater, and currently we're in Season 4. It has to do with true crime horror, which is generally a subject that uh, gets people at least a little bit interested in looking at. We've got two episodes out, and hey, got about, oh, quick math, six days until the next episode comes out. So go ahead and give that a listen. If you love history, we do have a historical review that we go through each decade of 1900s and soon to be 2000s because we're on 1995 you can start from the 1900s and go from there or you can continue on with our live shows once again um, you can find Shane at Creating Order from Chaos Coaching on Facebook go ahead give his page a like and just go check it out is there anything else you'd like to say tonight? Uh, no, I really appreciate everything. I, I really enjoyed being on with you. Thank you. Um, well, I've been Noah, and uh, you're listening to Retrospection Radio Live. I'll catch you next week. <laughs>